0: In a single moment, your life can change. Moments with Marianne is a transformative hour that covers an endless array of topics with the best of the best. Marianne's guests are leaders in their field, ranging from inspirational authors, top industry leaders, business, and spiritual entrepreneurs. Each guest is gifted and a true visionary, a recognized leader in their own work. They teach others to develop, refocus, and grow. Marianne will bring the best guest and sometimes a special surprise Don't miss this. And remember, make every moment count.
1: Welcome to Moments with Marianne. I'm so excited to be introducing our first guest, Bailey Gaddis. And she's here today to talk to us about Feng Shui Mommy, her new book. So welcome to the show, Bailey. Hi, thanks, Marianne. Oh, what a joy it is to have you here. I mean, this is like, this is like the them um like a mother's bible
2: <laughs> <basically>. <laughs> yes the motherhood yes. <laughs> bible
1: it's their guidebook everything little their new best friend all of that rolled into one so um but i before we get started because i've got a lot of questions to ask you i've got to just i i'm just so curious what was your inspiration for not only following this path but writing this book
3: yeah so uh, mm-hmm. I was really confused when I went through the the journey of pregnancy into childbirth and then especially in early motherhood I really felt like I knew nothing and my my pregnancy was unplanned my partner Eric and I we were in love and knew that we someday wanted to have children but didn't know that it would be so soon so we were really unprepared in so many ways and you know I read all the books I took classes. I watched videos. And so I felt like I was pretty good at birthing in the way that other people told me to birth, but I didn't really know what felt right to me. And, and that was something that, that bugged me a little bit after my son was born. And, you know, and I felt really confused (laughs) in, you know, in early, his early childhood. And and so one morning at 2 a.m., we were both having a really hard time. We were both crying and I was rocking him in a chair and I just... I felt like I, I needed this wise woman to be sitting in front of me, giving me encouragement and giving me words of wisdom. And so I thought, okay, she's not here, but but maybe I can be her for a minute. And so I grabbed a book and I started just writing down what I needed to hear in that moment. And, and it felt really good. And, and so after that, I quickly became certified as a childbirth preparation educator, a birth doula, really got deep into that world to, to find that, that understanding that I was, that I was seeking. And, and so as I started working with clients, I, I showed them those notes that, that I made on that early morning when I was having my mommy meltdown (laughs) Mm -hmm. and, and they really resonated with, with what I had written down and asked if I had more and I didn't. So that was really the, the conception of of the book proposal that led to Feng Shui Mommy. Well, and I, before
1: that, you were into Feng Shui before, if I
3: remember correctly, right yes yes so before I became pregnant with my son and, and really even during his pregnancy I owned a professional organizing business and I worked with a lot of women mainly in Los Angeles and mainly on designing their nurseries which is so funny you know so we would clear out a space in their house and and I would use a lot of feng shui principles that are all outlined in the book to help create a really serene calm environment that really really... really promoted number one sleep because Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's what we want all babies people to do right is have really good sleep um so yeah so when I was working on the book the the feng shui principles it was something that I was really familiar with and but I wanted to to relay it in a really simple way in the book so it's nothing crazy that requires you to pull a a compass out which can be wonderful if you want to go that route but it's really simple principles um infused into feng shui mommy
1: Well, and I think a lot of new moms can understand, or or moms that have had children kind of look back and they're like, gosh, you know, during that entire time, I felt like, you know, I wasn't really getting enough guidance because usually people, I mean, most of my friends that are mommies have tons of books on how to be a mommy, and all of them got, they, they all have a lot of information, and some of it's a little conflicting. So it's, you know, some of it just doesn't resonate. And while it might, you know, one might take care of like how to uh, prepare mentally and how to prepare their bodily, their body. It doesn't do anything about them spiritually.
3: Right. Oh. Right. Yeah. And so that was something that was almost the most important piece for me, honestly, with the book, because, you know, and I, I connect, at least for me, I relate to, um, like, like when I have fear, I really feel like it is dampening my spirit. You know, it's like, all I can think about is, is fear and I can't really, really enjoy my, my life and connect to the world on a spiritual level. So, so yeah, in the book, you know, i different spirit sections are, you know, dissolving fear, which is really, in some ways, the crux of the book, you know, once we can get past and dissolve a lot of those fears that we have about pregnancy, childbirth and motherhood, we can really enjoy the experience, but also wake up our intuition that is so wonderful at guiding us, you know, so as you're reading all of the different books, you know, if you have this intuition that is wide awake, it lets you know, what pieces of information are really right for you. And and that's what I tell women with the book, you know, it's like, My goal is not for you to end the book being able to birth like Bailey's way, but to have the... The trust in yourself to really create your your own way of birthing and to have the information and the tools, but but then to, again, craft your, your own unique way to birth. And, and I've had women come up to me or send me emails saying, oh, when I was reading this one section, I had this really wonderful, unique idea about how I'm going to birth. And I think that's so exciting that, that the book is not just giving information, but it's inspiring women to come up with their own ideas, which, which is wonderful in my opinion.
1: Oh, without a doubt. What's the number one fear in your experience for new moms? What's the number one fear that um, they come to you for?
3: Oh, probably the, n- the number one thing is thinking that they're not going to be able to withstand the the physical sensations that are attached to childbirth um even if they're choosing you know to get an epidural or even if they need a cesarean section you know they're still terrified of the the pain and and again those those really intense physical sensations and so that is a huge huge thing that I I work on in my classes you know really probably at least 80% of what we're working on are different tools to help them, you know, shift their perception of those sensations or to make them a little bit easier. You know, I do a lot of work with uh, positions with pressure points, different types of massage, essential oils, you know, a lot of tools that can help to, to minimize that, that discomfort. And, and along those lines, the next fear is that that final phase or, the next to final phase of birth when the baby's head is crowning and coming out, women think, well, I know that millions, billions of women have done it before, but my body is not going to open (laughs) like that. (laughs) That head will not fit out. Mm -hmm. And, and they really are stuck in in that. And so afraid of, you know, the tearing, uh, potential episiotomy is that that's a really big concern for a lot of women. And, and probably my biggest concern when, when I was going through, through pregnancy. Well, and with all of this, so when
1: moms come to you, they've got this fear, and you work with them through that, I know that you also work with... Um you know creating a soothing atmosphere for them during childbirth. now, um, is that something I, I know that you've talked about in in, uh, in a TV interview that I know that you did about how our society is kind of at this crisis point regarding the birthing process and there there's this expectation that there needs to be a lot of yelling and screaming and profanity and what have you and that might not be the case. <laughs>
3: Right, right. A lot of, many of the births that I've attended they are really quiet events. Um, some women, I, I, worked with one woman who's an opera singer and she sang through her, her contractions, which was really beautiful. Um, but for the most part, women are, are really quiet, you know, especially if they've gone through my class, they've read my book, they really go to a, a deep space within, within themselves. And, and they'll talk sometimes maybe at the very end, they'll, they'll make some really low guttural sounds, but for the most part, they they are really quiet. And what they request is that everyone around them talk in low voices. If they have music playing, it's usually pretty, pretty gentle, calming music. One woman, I, <laughs> I, I was at one birth and she really wanted to listen to like nineties rap music. Cause that's what like <laughs> jazzed her up. So that was a, a different experience, but awesome. It was exactly what she needed. Um, but yeah, for the most part, what they really thrive off of is the quiet environment. And so in their birth plan, something that many of these women put in bold is that they only want calm, quiet conversations in the birthing space, only necessary conversations. They really want it to be a peaceful space. And a comment that I've had from a few nurses that have come into a a birthing environment that that I've helped to create in a hospital specifically is, I kind of, I feel like I'm at a spa. It's like, oh, good. That's the exact (laughs) (laughs) environment that I'm working to create, you know, really nurturing all five senses, making it this really like sensual, peaceful environment. And from what I have found, that's what usually best serves the mother.
1: So is that what you call the birthing sanctuary where the new mom can pick and choose like the things like how you're saying with the rock or or most of the time they want to have like the soothing environment for the baby to be born into? Is that what a birthing sanctuary is?
3: (laughs) Yes, exactly. It is a space that she feels safe in, a space where she feels like she can fully relax. And, and some people think that you can only create that space in a home birth or a birth center birth. But I, I've seen hospital rooms, labor and delivery rooms transformed into these incredible sanctuaries mm-hmm. you know and so again it and, and for some women you know thinking about the safety aspect birthing in their home wouldn't necessarily feel like a birthing sanctuary if if they have a lot of concerns and they feel safer in the hospital you know so for those women their birth sanctuary will be found at the hospital and and I really have women focus on the five senses you know making sure that they fill that sanctuary with with textures that make them feel really good you know, so maybe a, a soft bathrobe that when they touch, they they feel really calm. Um, I've even had moms bring in their own sheets that they don't mind um, getting stained, of course, <laughs> in, into a hospital or a birth center because they just love the material. Um, thinking about tastes, so I usually bring things like honey, breath mints, things that the woman can can put in her mouth that. that good. with her sense of smell, I always have an essential oil diffuser. I usually have like 10 different essential oils that I bring. And so the space is filled with her favorite aromas, uh, sounds. I always have a speaker. So a lot of times I play music, maybe a recording. I do a lot of hypnosis with my Mm -hmm. clients and I am, I'm leading them through with my own voice. And, and with sight. So a lot of women want to have their eyes closed. That, that's something that's pretty common, but sometimes they want to have their eyes open and they want to be able to look at this really pleasing focal point. So even in the hospital, we'll bring in maybe a photo or this little sculpture or, or something that, that she finds visually pleasing. I bet you are busy
1: as all get out. Do you travel across the country and do this, or do you mostly stay in California?
3: Uh, for the births I mainly stay in California um with some exceptions but but California keeps me pretty busy <laughs> but, but that's why it's so exciting you know to have have the book now and although of course it's not the exact same as having me at the actual birth you know I can share a lot of the the tools and ideas that I share with clients in person and then I have one online course a new one coming out that that allows me to in a way sit in front of the woman at least before birth and and support her through the, the preparation process. And I also have some clients that I've worked with mobily who who will call me or, or their partner will call me during birth. Mm-hmm. And and I'll I'll coach them through certain phases of birth just on the phone. I'll be on speaker phone. <laughs> I'll be like doing hypnosis or, or saying why don't you try this position or try to go pee or whatever I feel like they need. So in that way I do go all all across the country. (laughs) I could, I could bet. I would be amazed that you know you don't have.
1: you know, people like Beyonce giving you a call going, I need you to help me with my birth
3: sanctuary. Right. <laughs> I would definitely help her. If Beyonce's listening, I will help you create a birth sanctuary. <laughs> I think every celebrity should have one without a
1: doubt. <laughs> and be, of course yes. they, they've got to pick up your book, Feng Shui Mommy, you know? Yeah, of course, yes. <laughs> So, okay, so we're at the hospital, we've had the baby, we, we've got this great experience that's happened. So how can we transition that to home, what are some of the things new parents, new moms can do to kind of get ready for the baby as far as like, if they're going to paint the nursery, you know, should, should they go for a, a bright red, you know, are there, are there things that they should stay away from
3: and things that they should look at? Yeah. So I, I really focus on five different uh, principles, five different aspects that I think are really important really for the entire, the the whole home, but specifically for the nursery and the mother's bedroom. So, so the first one is making sure, you know, whatever spaces the mother and the newborn will be spending most of their time in, which is again, usually the, the bedroom or the nursery is to make sure you have really fresh air. Um, so if you live in a space and it's a a certain time of year where it's not too cold you know if you can open the windows and let in that fresh air that's great um i also have a list in the book of air purifying plants so some ones like a peace lily plant bamboo palm those are three of my favorites um and if you're going to have them in the nursery, of course, you don't want baby who turns into a crawling baby to eat any of them. So mm-hmm. I really want to make sure moms have them up and out of the way of baby. But that can be a nice way to create fresh air. Um, and then the next one is clearing the clutter out of the house. This is a really common phenomenon that is paired with nesting is, is getting rid of all unneeded items. Um, and that is, in my opinion, one of the most important aspects of, of preparing your home for baby is to really get rid of everything that you don't love or everything that you don't need. And, you know, everything else, donate it, give it away to a friend, you know, keep it really, really simple um, lighting is something that is so important. Ba- I mean, we're all we're all sensitive to lighting, but babies even more so. So, soothing, soft lighting is important during the day if you and baby are awake. You know, having natural light is great. Um, but at, in the evening, you want to have three sources of lighting at three different levels. So, generally, I tell moms to stay away from overhead lighting because that can be a little harsh. So, to maybe have three different lamps. You know, two floor. Tabletop lamp, pink Himalayan salt crystal lamps are so wonderful um, as night lights. They create this really loving, warm energy in a nursery. And let's see color So you mentioned um, painting the the nursery red, right? <laughs> and, and if you love that color, okay, yeah, we can toy around with you know bringing red in. But I I generally say to if you're going to paint the walls to stick with more neutral, calming colors, you know, so whites, beiges, and in some moms, dads find those colors really boring, which I understand. Um, but you can bring in, you know, pops of color with like a little throw rug or a pillow, but for the most part, keeping the colors very calm and, and serene. And, and in the book, I actually have a color guide. So I talk about, you know, what type of, of energy each Color produces. So, for example, I just glanced and I saw a uh, pink. So pink often helps to nourish, you know, creativity, whimsy, imagination. So when it's playtime with baby, if you have like a little throw rug that has some pink in it, that can really facilitate the, the creativity and that playtime. So it's really fun to play around with, with colors in, in the nursery. And so those are the, the main elements that I think are really important to creating that, that sanctuary at home.
1: So, and then, so for the mom on the mom's side, when she comes home, what's some self-care that she can do for herself that'll allow her to kind of maintain that peaceful tranquility atmosphere that she's had from, you know, from pregnancy to being with you and, and, and having childbirth to, to now being the mom.
3: Well, the, the first thing, and this sounds so simple, but for so many moms, it's not is, is just taking care of her basic needs, you know? So making sure that she is eating really wholesome foods on a regular basis, especially if she's choosing to breastfeed, you will likely be even more hungry when you're breastfeeding than you were during pregnancy. Breastfeeding can, can burn up to 500 calories in a day. So that's, that's a lot. You need extra food, you know, drinking lots of water, um, being able to take, even if it's a quick one, a shower every day. You know, really, again, just taking care of those basic needs, and and sleep. I, I know that's <laughs> the one thing we all we're always talking about. But you know, if you feel like it, sleeping when baby sleeps. You know, really trying to get your rest um, when whenever you can. And then beyond that. I tell women, and and sometimes this is harder when baby's a newborn and they they need you so much. But you know, after a few weeks, when when maybe you just get a little bit more of breathing room, and, and your partner or parents or whoever your supporters are, are able to be with baby a little bit more. It, even if you just have like 15, 30 minutes to yourself to tune in to what really makes you feel like you, what makes you feel good. So for some moms, that's exercise. For me, that's that's writing. For some, that would be calling a girlfriend, you know? So so again, really thinking, what, what makes me feel good? What makes me feel like not just a mom, but like this really unique, beautiful, amazing woman and, and to nurture that aspect of yourself.
1: You know, one of the things I really appreciate in your book is you also included a chapter on postpartum because I think a lot of women go through this and, and don't really, you know, maybe they don't know where to go for help or don't understand. What are some of the tips that you like to share with, um, with moms that are kind of going through that, um, some of the things that they can, can do that they can do for, for themselves. Yeah. For themselves kind of to, um, either bring themselves back or, you know, try to work through it. Cause I know you do hypnosis also. Is that something that you work with, with postpartum? Yes, absolutely.
3: So, So after the mother has the baby, you know, so often the birth, no matter how much you prepared, it it rarely goes exactly the way that you planned. Um, Sometimes it goes better. Sometimes there's challenges, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's one of the first things that I I work with moms on and, and encourage them if they can't work with me, you know, even just talking to their partner, journaling about it. Um, But, but processing that birth experience, even if you feel like, oh, it was perfect and beautiful, you know, write it (laughs) out and really, you know, think about it and allow yourself to to uh... Um, relive it in some ways you know and, and allow yourself to again work through that and, and even if it was this beautiful perfect experience great you know you can relive that in a really joyful way um, if there are certain pieces that you need to reconcile with again a great way to do that is is hypnosis a lot of the recordings that I have as part of the book really facilitate that process um, again talking to maybe a girlfriend a partner a therapist in some cases is really wonderful um, and then the body, the body is, you know, something that changes <laughs> definitely during pregnancy, but but especially after childbirth, and that's such a drastic change, you know, um, because really in a period of a few hours or a few days, however long your birth was, your body goes through a lot, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard it said that it's equivalent to running a marathon. Personally, I think it's even more intense than that, and so yeah. So the chapter you're referencing. I really go through a lot of the, the physical symptoms, phenomenons that the, the mom can can expect, and how to work through that. You know, so having the knowledge, you know, is a, a really important first step. You know, knowing that you will likely have a lot of postpartum bleeding, and that that's normal. You know, and that knowing that your belly will still look like it's four or five months pregnant, and that's normal. You know, just realizing what what is okay and to be really gentle with yourself. You know, your your face and your feet might be swollen for another two weeks. Um, you might develop hemorrhoids. I mean, there's all of these things like hair loss, soreness that come after baby comes out. And... And with some women, it's so surprising, and some have the misconception that there's something wrong with their bodies, or their body is weak, or or they didn't didn't handle childbirth properly. And in most cases, that's probably not true. You know, her body is just going through what it what it needs to go through after such an intense experience. So so being gentle, being gentle with yourself, again processing that birth experience and and then doing what I spoke about earlier, you know, as much as you can, taking care of your basic needs. And then even if it's just for a few minutes each day, you know, nurturing the the woman within, you know, not the mother.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, your book I found to be You know, again, it was just an amazingly informative book because it really did bring together taking care of the mind, body, spirit for moms so that they don't have to go out and buy 20 books. They can get this one and get all the information that they need, you know, and have a positive experience. Well, you know, I think we have a couple more minutes here. What last thoughts would you like to leave for our listeners?
3: Yeah. Well, so, so one thing I I spoke about the intuition a little bit, but, but I really think that the intuition is so important and I want to talk just a little bit about what at least I believe that is. Mm -hmm. Um, so to me, the intuition to put it simply is, you know, when we ask ourselves a question, it's kind of that, that, that first voice, that first answer that we hear that, that gut instinct, you know, before our mind starts like chattering and analyzing and shaming doing all the stuff that that those voices in the mind can do, you know, like really learning to to trust. To trust that gut instinct, which turns into that maternal instinct, and and I tell women to to toy around with it by asking like simple questions at first, like what do I want to eat for dinner, or you know what movie do I feel like watching, you know, and just starting to like just listen to that first voice and and trusting that intuition and just kind of watching how how her life slowly shifts, and then taking that intuition into the process of you know choosing a medical care provider, creating the birth plan. Um, trusting that the intuition will be there for you during the birth process, you know, because... More than likely, something might shift, and you might have to make some decisions, and you know your intuition will will be put to the test in a really beautiful way. So, learning to to trust that, and then also trusting that that you will have the birth that you are meant to have. Um, and again, that might look so different from what your original plan was, but but knowing that that you and baby. You know, throughout the process of your unique birth experience, you're both going to get so much out of it. You and your partner will likely bond so much, you know, um, through a, a perfect ideal birth or a challenging birth. You know, there's opportunities for growth in all of it. So, be gentle with yourself, trust yourself, trust your baby, trust your body, and enjoy the ride as much as you can. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget to go pick up
1: Feng Shui Mommy. You got to get your book. Yes, and if you yes. have a friend that's um, that has a baby or they're thinking about it, this is a perfect gift for them. It is the perfect mommy gift. So where can our listeners connect with you and be part of your community and learn more about your, the things that you do and where can Beyonce contact you?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Beyonce, um, no, so my, my website, baileygaddis.com, B-A-I-L-E-Y-G-A-D-D-I-S.com. That really has a collection of, of everything. My, my videos, my courses, links to buy the book, um, all of the the articles that I've written for different women's magazines magazines. And then I am very active on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And so the, the handle for all three of those is Feng Shui Mommy, the name of the book. I, I always respond. I love connecting with women. And then the book is at all major bookstores.
1: Aw. Well do you know thank you so much, Bailey, for taking the time to be on the show with us today.
3: Oh, it was my pleasure. This was so much fun. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.
1: We'll have to have you back on again. I mean, you're just a fountain of information for new mommies. And I think every mommy needs to be your next best friend, you know? I I would love that. (laughs) I would love to be friends with all of them. (laughs) Well, wonderful. I'd love to come back on. Thank you, Marianne. Oh, sure thing. We're going to pause here for a quick break, and we'll be right back after these messages.
0: internationally recognized and award-winning author judy goodman works and teaches outside the box of limited thinking working with people from every walk of life her goal is to empower you to be the best you can be no matter what the challenge is born with the gift of seeing beyond our normal vision she has an extraordinary gift of working with every challenge teaching beyond conventional wisdom her work is described as life-changing visit judygoodman.com that's judygoodman.com
4: Welcome to Moments with Marianne. I'm so excited to be introducing our next guest, Cindy Dale, and she's here today to talk to us about her new book, Subtle Energy Techniques. So welcome to the show, Cindy.
2: Thank you, Marianne. I'm so happy to be here.
4: Oh, what a joy it is to have you here. I mean, we just had you on, gosh, last month about your other book,
2: I know, you know the little book of chakras, which follows a mm-hmm. really big book I did that was 1,200 pages. So everybody's going to be happy to hear. Subtle Energy Techniques is also a small book.
4: Oh, we love the small books. I love the small books.
2: <laughs> so do all. And, I. I like writing the small books.
4: I, I bet. <laughs> and you have so much information in here. And so, gosh, I, I, I've got to ask, what inspired you to write this book?
2: You know, it, it, the idea really came from Llewellyn, who is the publisher of this book, and it's the first in a series of books that are featuring my ideas, my techniques, what I've learned over 25 to 30 years of studying energy, practicing energy, you know, and through that time I love learning. I love absorbing information from other people, from other cultures, you know, and I frequently end up with a lot of very complicated techniques and ideas. And so I think what makes this first of the three books really unique this is subtle energy techniques is that Mm -hmm. it presents complicated ideas in simple ways with techniques that anyone can use but they're simple but very very powerful
4: Mm. now so let's just i guess start from the beginning so if someone's picking up your book they're like you know and maybe they're new to the whole energy healing enlightenment journey they're probably going to ask what is subtle energy (laughs) (laughs) what is, we'll ask what, that. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: wish more scientists would ask that, to be honest. <laughs> so, so, you know, kind of the core of the phrase subtle energy is energy. And, you know, way back in the day, you know, Einstein himself said, everything's made out of energy. And mm-hmm. we've come to figure out that energy is just simply information that moves. And so the basic idea And that's a very positive idea, you know, is that say something's not working in your life, if you change the information creating a problem or the vibration that's holding a problem in, you can probably disappear a problem. You know, or you change information or energy, you can move into your life what you want and what you desire. Subtle energy is really one of the two main types of energy. We all understand and learn about you know, physical energy in school. You know, that's the more measurable concrete energy. With physical energy, you put a glass on a table and it's gonna stay there. I mean, unless like my dog Lucky comes along with Mm -hmm. his big tail and then it's gone. Um, But subtle energy (laughs) is the really fast or slow energy. So it's the energy that moves so fast or so slow, we don't really know how to recognize it or measure it very well, though science is learning how to measure this energy. Um, So subtle energy, I equate with what is now called quantum energy, which is that really quick stuff that, you know, enables you to operate outside of time and space, use your consciousness to make different decisions and have the physical world respond accordingly. You know, so subtle energy is sort of that magic energy is what it really is.
4: Now, is it possible to use this energy to heal your mind and your body?
2: Absolutely. Because it's the subtle energy that really locks our beliefs in. I mean, you know, the, the typical idea, you know, kind of that scientists put out there about our thoughts is that we have about maybe 80,000 thoughts a day, 70,000 and 80 to 90% of those are actually negative. <laughs> so
4: mm-hmm. you know, to
2: some extent, That negative stuff that we don't understand, you know, that we don't, we're not consciously thinking of subtle energy. But if you shift what's deep inside of those negative thoughts, wow, all of a sudden your body's able to change. What you thought was unhealable can be healed. You can rearrange matter by altering what's going on in your subtle energy realm. Either deep in your mind or your brain, you know, or even in your body. You know, hands-on healing that's subtle energy. The effectiveness of prayer, that's subtle energy. The effectiveness of positive thinking or being around positive people, you know, or being upbeat instead of downbeat, that's the power of subtle energy.
4: Mm. Now, and I know for people who are like, wow, this is great. I've read your book, and I think this is a fabulous book on the techniques of subtle energy, but I, I really want someone to do it for me. You have um, subtle energy body immersions that you do that um, you could, is there? <laughs>
2: well, here's the secret, though. Let me tell you the secret. I do do these wonderful, really, really intense immersions with people, mm-hmm. You know, or obviously people can do sessions with me. But I tell absolutely everybody when we're working together, I'm not the one making the change. And then I tell them at some level, they're not really the person making the change, that there's actually bigger forces. Some of those are, you know, our own spirits, um, each other's spirits, this sort of immortal aspect of self that we all are, you know, and that there's bigger energy. There is the spirit that's really what's making a difference. So... Um, But I love the quote from the Bible where Jesus says, you know, where two or more of you are gathered, you know, there will I be. I don't necessarily (laughs) interpret that from a Christian point of view, you know, that you have to be in a specific church for that to be true. You know, it's really saying where there's two or more people and they're gathered in the name of goodness, you know, and their intention is to have what's supposed to happen happen and they want illumination or healing. You know what? It just sort of starts to happen. So that's the that's what's really powerful about working with somebody. You know, like me or anybody else. Um, the Torah talks about that and it's actually a quantum physics concept. In the Torah, which is the you know, the, the Jewish scriptural book, it says that God began the universe and then left it for us to finish. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it takes two or more people to vote. What is going to get completed? Isn't that sort of Mm -hmm. cool?
4: Yeah, I just love how the ancient texts and science and, you know, just the spiritual realm are all coming together.
2: (laughs) It's time, isn't it, that we don't have to have that great divide,
4: spirit on Mm -hmm. one side and science on the other.
2: Mm -hmm.
4: It it doesn't have to be an either or anymore, you know. No, No, it won't work that way.
2: Neither will work
4: that way. No, Uh, it's kind of, it's like missing a piece to your puzzle. It'll just never be finished, you know? So, well, and in your book, you talk about spirit to spirit technique. What is that and why should we use it?
2: I do talk about that. This to me is sort of the most important one-size-fits-all technique that any of us can use no matter what's going on. We can use it if we want to fall asleep at night. We can use it when we get up in the day to be open for a good day. I use it in my client work all the time. Uh, I use it to help try to train my dogs. I think they use it to train me, food, food, food. Um, you know, I, I mean, what, the, the idea of spirit-to-spirit, spirit, there's three steps which are to affirm your own spirit, affirm the spirits of all who are present, and they may be visible or invisible spirits, and then to turn an entire situation over to the greater spirit, you know, really is acknowledging that within us and around us, you know, is the essential self that we are, you know, and that everybody else, whether they're an everybody or a plant or an animal or an angel or whatever, you know, also has um a a a unique essence that's essentially good right and well meaning mm-hmm. and powerful you know and that, that there's this this creator there's a oneness um that like a mother father parent just wants the best for everybody so as simple and elegant and short a technique as it is it is probably the most effective technique that i've ever used or been able to teach anybody um i remember teaching a class that had a massage therapist in it and She was really excellent, had a huge client base, but she complained that she always soaked up people's energy, and she Mm -hmm. didn't want to do that anymore. So I suggested that before she works with people, she conducts spirit to spirit, and so that's what she did. She came back a month later, you know, using that technique before she worked with anybody, and, you know, she said, you know what, not only was I able to remain really separate from you know, all my clients, but I heard words. She'd never before heard psychic guidance. She heard words to share with the client. They could feel spiritual energies around them, helping them and supporting them. You know, their lives changed, and she never once absorbed their illnesses, their feelings, their problems. Um, And so effectively, she's only working with the highest part of herself, the client, the helpers, you know, and putting the greater spirit in charge of everything so you know what there was instant boundaries and there was also the kind of effectiveness that she was looking for as well
4: well I think that's so important because that's actually a common thing I hear among my healer friends they they talk about you know not not all of them but a good majority of them do talk about you know, if someone's got something going on, and absorbing it. So spirit to spirit would really be beneficial for a lot of people.
2: For a lot of people. People who do service work, healing work. And I have to say probably 80 to 90% of my clients, and they're everyday people. They're not all healers. They're not all, you know, therapists. They're accountants, homemakers, um, work in insurance companies. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Just they're in yeah. the real world. Most of them call because they're taking on too much of the energy that's not their own. And you can't heal, you can't transform, you can't process energy that is not your own. It sort of just sits inside of you like a dead weight and causes eventually physical problems if it's not cleared out.
4: That is, that's, uh, that'd be in the no bueno category. Yeah. <laughs> we, I, we, no we definitely way. don't want that. <laughs> you don't
2: want it. And the other person, you know, if you so called absorb their feelings, those feelings are mm-hmm. theirs for a reason. They're a teaching vehicle. They, you know, somebody may not be comfortable feeling their own anger, but that anger has a message. It's telling the real owner, put up some boundaries, deal with mm-hmm. them. And if they yeah. don't, have their anger, if they don't listen to it, if somebody else is walking around with it, um, their situation isn't going to change.
4: Well, yeah, and so this leads me to my next question for you. I've got so many because you're, I mean, you're such an amazing person. I love the light you bring to the world. Thank goodness we have you because you have just so many books that people can pick up and read that will help them, you know, along their path. And you have just a, a wider range of topics that you teach on and that you speak on, which is, I find just fascinating because you really know your stuff. So when it comes to, you know, somebody, let's say, um, in fact, what are the healing streams of grace and how can we use those?
2: I'm so glad you asked about those because with Spirit to Spirit, the idea and so-called technique of calling, healing Mm -hmm. streams of grace gives you a full energy package. These are really, I believe, the only two things you really need to know about, but there's a lot more to know about, (laughs) too,
4: that you can do
2: wonderful transformation and manifestations with. This is the idea of healing streams of grace. Think of the sun. You know, and the sun just eternally, you know, emanates rays of the sun. You know, light beams come off the sun all the time. Um, They're always flowing, each of them are unique, they work together, they adjoin together, but they're always providing light, um, Mm -hmm. healing, hope, especially if we think about that sun as being the source, you know, the oneness, the God, um, creator, Quan Yin, whatever word is comfortable for people. But in this context, I like to think of, you know, God as the source of all good things. And so healing streams of grace are really those rays of the source. that are constantly emanating, that shape change, that get customized, that are attracted to us when we have a specific need. And so the idea of healing streams of grace is that there's always grace available to any of us and specific types of grace or rays of grace according to our needs. I define grace as love in motion, love that's empowered, that makes a difference. I mean, it's fantastic when people have loving thoughts and hold a loving mm-hmm. feeling in their heart, but come on, when we have a need, we like it. We like that love to serve us. <laughs> we like the love to serve somebody else. We actually want to make a difference, right? Yeah. And to me, that's what grace is.
4: Now, is that something that can be taught to children?
2: Oh, yes. Children are so open to the idea that there is an energy there that can help them, and they're so open. They don't have a lot of preconceived notions about what's going to work or not or what's what's real or what's not. You know, there's that Mm -hmm. sort of childlike thinking, you know, that we to some extent put away as we grow up, but we want to keep a lot of it alive, Um, you know, that way of believing that there's goodness that's always available to us. Um, and even though my son who my youngest son is now eighteen, you know wouldn't technically be called a child, about a year ago he was having some real troubles with his pitching arm. he's a pitcher, loves to pitch, great baseball player, wants to go into the pros, etc. cetera, um, but he couldn't raise his arm. it was not a good thing um, and so I was working with another sports performance person, and we would just have him raise his arm just a little bit you know like an inch and then you know, kind of verify, oh, this is what's stuck or this is what's stuck. Send the healing streams of grace in, and he could then move his arm, you know, kind of to that level. Within 10 minutes, he had his entire pitching arm freed up, completely freed up. Nobody's telling him it doesn't work, (laughs) right? Right? Nobody's telling him, you know, that only what's concrete is real, because I think, Most of us know that when we're kids, and I think we Mm -hmm. learn it as an adult, you know, that what's invisible is really what's defining or deciding what appears anyway. Kids are really open to that.
4: Yeah. Yeah, they they really are. And, you know, and and this actually is bringing me to my next question for you because I know with a lot of people, that either do energy work or have had energy work done they always talk about use you know having energy protection so yeah. when should someone use that and why
2: well and you know one of the realities of this world the way it's run right now is that there's a lot of energy that doesn't suit who we really are and maybe mm-hmm. that's the nice way to say there's a lot of sort of disruptive bad energies out there <laughs> okay and yeah. we're it's so much it's it's invisible there's power lines there's you know the news is going 24 7 with a lot of stuff that may or may not be true about you know the false fact stuff but really kind of negative and disarming and there's just people who have malintentions um, and there's a lot of good people and good news and goodness as well so You know, we're made out of a body, but the body is actually comprised of oscillating fields of sound and light. So we're fields of energy, you know, and we emanate almost endlessly. Science has proven that the electrons associated with our body can be conclusively proven, however, to be at least a football field away. So you think about that and you think about how open we are without knowing it to all the energies around us, and mm-hmm. we have to assume that we need some boundaries or protection. Um, you know, just like if you're going to, you know, you know, kind of, you know, get along at a family reunion, <laughs> you have to decide <laughs> what you're willing to share with people and not, what you're going to eat mm-hmm. or not. Um, you know how you're going to interface if you're going to stand next to Great Aunt Mabel, who's like a sourpuss and probably half stoned anyway or drunk or whatever. You you mm-hmm. have to make decisions that are going to be in your own best interests. So we need to do that with our subtle energy as well. Um, you know and decide and have our energetics. You know our energy system, a subtle energy system, sort of fixed about what it's going to let in and what it's not going to let in. I don't want to pick up other people's feelings. I don't want to be projected on from other people. I don't want to participate in craziness. Um, I can't control that from happening in the physical universe, right? I mean, unless you can actually walk away or not pick up the phone or whatever, um, which are boundaries, ways to do boundaries. Um, But I do want my subtle energy being really clear about what's coming in and what's going out.
4: Mm, Without a doubt.
2: That's perfection. It is healthy. We get to decide who and what we are and who and what we're not. And, of course, most of us are raised in family systems where we had no say in that. We just Mm -hmm. had to go along with it. And and on a subtle level, we got trained to carry dad's shame or take care of an alcoholic or um, never share when we were displeased with something or not let the universe give us good things. Whatever it is, we want to really update our energy system so it reflects the best of ourselves, and we can bring in what's
4: best for us, yeah, and I would agree with you on that. I know when I opened myself back up energetically, you know like about twenty years ago, and had um it, it like hit me all at once, the thing that I found interesting is All of a sudden, I was feeling everybody's everything.
2: (laughs) Yes, I do
4: know. So it's so nice to have these kind of books because people can pick this up. They can learn the tools instead of kind of like bouncing around, trying to figure out what the heck to do if they need a padded room, you know? (laughs) Which
2: won't work anyway. (laughs) Yes, they
4: won't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: right. um, I had a client called me just the other day and she's had a couple of near-death experiences and she's very mm-hmm. sensitive and open now. She just mm-hmm. met with a friend of hers who has a child with leukemia and my client went home like as if she was undergoing chemotherapy, sick, th- throwing up, chilly, mm-hmm. cold. And it's like, you know, we can't change what somebody else has and always decide what we're going to be around um, but we don't have to pick that up. So that's what boundaries yeah. are about.
4: Yeah, without a doubt. And and so with the same thing, I know you talk about elementals in your book as well, and the different levels of them. Can you explain a little bit about for our listeners?
2: Yes, I love working with elements and the beings associated with them which are elemental so if you look at just about any indigenous or eastern or even many western healing systems especially the mm-hmm. real um ancient ones they all say that the world the body the the, the soul everything is made out of elements fire Metal, wood, and that something is what it is based on the percentage, you know, of elements that comprise it. And that sounds pretty Western to me too. Aristotle mm-hmm. was sort of saying the same thing, and Hippocrates years and years ago in the Western world. Um, what I recognize, and many people do as well, is that there's these sort of subtle elements. So within, like, a fire are fire elements, tiny, tiny, tiny subtle elements. You know that can join together and help create fire um, we have all these subtle elements in our body there's many types of them I mentioned a few you know but there's also water there's metal there's light there's sound uh, you know wood I work with 11 sometimes even 12 of these different subtle elements um, ether which is consciousness Um, Because the truth is that our body, mind, and soul require certain subtle elements and in the right amount. So, you know, for instance, I grew up kind of in the new age when I was always told to ground and bring earth energy through my feet, and it felt horrible to me. I felt like I was in a casket six feet under. And as soon as I figured out there's other kinds of subtle elements like air, I started to let my body, you know, and my soul with it pull up the subtle elements that were best for me, and I felt literally lighter than air. I felt happy, and my body was healthier. My mind was clearer. So I think somebody can run just about an entire healing process, whether it be self-healing or a manifestation process, again, for self or for other, just really having a strong sense or knowledge about what the subtle elements are, use spirit to spirit, you know, let spirit bring in what you need, use healing streams of grace, you know, to do the same or to release what elements you have too many of, you know, and balance your system and your mind and your soul as well. I mean, post-surgery, people will come in to see me, and I'll ask for the subtle element of earth to go into the tissue because earth is a binder, you know, and it rebuilds tissue. And you know what? Their skin, their tissue heals faster than if we didn't do that.
4: Mm. Now, is this something that we can use to ground and protect ourselves as well?
2: Yes, absolutely. Yep. So, And it is really fun to get to know, like, what subtle elements your spirit really wants to ground in. So I bring air up. I ground in air. And I know that's sort of an oxymoron. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, (laughs) right? But (laughs) it makes me feel happy. And I'm actually really present and less spacey if I bring air in. I have many, many friends and clients who ground or bring into their body, right, star energy, which is Mm fire, fire. Combined with ether, it's like a really, you know, passionate energy with higher consciousness. Um, You know, and that's the energy that leaves them feeling whole and present and able to be really functional. Um, And so you can also bring those cell elements into your energy field. Like one of the best ones for protection is um, to use metal. You know, think about if you have millions and millions tiny, tiny mica chips you know, a metal in your energy system and the shiny part is reflecting out, you know what's going to happen is you're going to deflect negativity. It's just not going to come anywhere near you. So there's all these sort of fun ways to interact with the elements to meet different needs that you might have for grounding, for protecting, for healing, for anything.
4: And um, I think I have time for one more question here. Um, and I, I would be amiss if I didn't ask this, what is a light wand and how should we use it? Oh,
2: I love that technique. You know, a light <laughs> wand acknowledges that we can direct energy. And literally, you can use any of your fingers and activate it, activate your whole body, like especially from your heart, so that finger acts like a light wand. You point it at something, hm. Whatever energy mm-hmm. needs to come around that finger or through that finger to clean a wound, to heal a diseased state, to change a belief system or whatever, literally, it's like your finger is like smoking hot and it's a light wand. Um, I know somebody here in town who does qigong, and the only technique he teaches people for doing healing, you know, is to direct energy through one of their fingers right to take energy out mm-hmm. or to put good energy in and that's the basic idea of the light wand.
4: Mm. You got to love that. I <laughs> I love it that we can everywhere
2: you go. I, yeah.
4: <laughs> you don't have to like worry about the Harry Potter, you know, do I have my wand with me? You always have your wand. Out no, it so, can't be know? broken.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? it's always there, ready to mm-hmm. go.
4: Mm. Yep, you and you're prepared. So, and what final thoughts do you want to leave our listeners with?
2: You know, enjoy learning about subtle energy. I think people get kind of concerned, like, oh my gosh, it's so complicated, it's so powerful. You can't really screw up if your heart's in the right place. If you use spirit to spirit, even if you ask for something you're kind of not really supposed to ask for, you know what, the right thing's going to happen anyway. So, You know, we're already experts at subtle energy. We're made out of subtle energy. We think with subtle energy. We react with subtle energy. So you might as well learn a little bit more about what you're doing anyway.
4: Hmm. And, um, Cindy, so where can our listeners connect with you, be part of your community, like sign up for your newsletter, follow you on Facebook and all that good stuff?
2: Great! Right, yeah, it's super easy. Um, my name is Cindy Dale, C Y N D I L E, um, and that's my website, cindydale.com. Um, that's the same as my Facebook page, is Cindy Dale. That's really it. You can just look me up and you know go on my Facebook or go on my site.
4: And I know that you have upcoming workshops that people can part, um, Ooh, participate people in. Oh, and
2: posted. Yep, I'm going Ooh. I'm going to Charlotte, I'm going to Chicago. That's all before the end of the year. Um, and I'm going to be looking at kicking off a clairaudience clairvoyance program, uh, mm-hmm. like a, an online program next year, too. So that will get posted. And I teach Ooh. here in town. I'm in Minneapolis. I teach a seven-part energy medicine series here in town in Minneapolis at a local college, which is a great program they fantastic oh
4: those lucky ducks <laughs> and of course you do have um, a, you know you do take appointments mm-hmm. so if someone wants to book a consultation with That's you I can go him. on
2: cindydale.com and it'll mm-hmm. show you how to do all of
4: that all that good stuff oh. all of it well Cindy yep. it's always such a joy to spend time with you gosh I just love and, love uh, your books love your message you know
2: Thank you, Marianne. You're amazing. Thank you for all the work you do.
4: <laughs> oh, thank you. I'd like to thank everyone for taking the time to tune in with us today. And remember, make every moment
0: count. Join us next time for Moments with Marianne when host Marianne Pestana brings another inspirational gifted leader to help us grow. Tune in every second Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern time for Moments with Marianne when the Dream Vision 7 radio network is at 1510 a.m. Boston. Or catch Moments with Marianne every Thursday and Friday at 5 p.m. and 5 a.m. Eastern time by going to dreamvision7radio.com. To learn how Marianne started her business from the ground up, visit MariannePestana.com. Don't miss this and remember, make every moment count.